So it's the last Sunday of 2014. How do you feel? Yeah? Yeah, you made it. <laughs> uh, you know, this, this is kind of the, the time of year where, where we take time to reflect. Uh, we, we take time to look forward, you know, to we, uh, we time to remind ourselves again what's really important, what we really care about. Uh, some people set goals, you know, we kind of get focused, step it up a little bit. Uh, it, it's just that kind of time of the year. Uh, for example, if maybe you've, you've investigated into gym memberships, you know that in January, the month of January, gym memberships go up by 12% overall, but there is a 33 to 50% increase in capacity and people actually in the gym so if one of you're one of those people take heart second week of january is the peak week to be in the gym just just be encouraged you know be, know what you're facing but if you hang in there till february right there 80 percent of those people will be gone and you'll have the gym all to yourself okay uh, statistically, that's what they say. So, you know, it, it just setting goals, getting, getting a, a new focus uh, is, is important. So I want to ask you today, what was the last 12 months like for you spiritually? What did 2014 look like? And more importantly, in 2015, what, uh, what do you hope your spiritual life to look like? You know, you do get a choice. Yeah, you do. Uh, Paul writes this metaphor in, in 1 Corinthians, and this will be our focus today, when he says in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not, that will not last forever, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run, Paul says, like a man running aimlessly. I do not fight like a man beating the air. No, I beat my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. The city of Corinth, to whom this letter was directed, uh, the believers in the city of Corinth, was really a sports town. It was home to, uh, to what was known as the Isthmus Games. It was the, it was the second largest athletic event in that, in that ancient world, second only to the Olympics in Athens. And so when Paul uses this metaphor of this race and boxing and all, he's referring to what very possibly the event he actually participated, not participated, but uh, witnessed, because we know Paul was in Corinth for about 18 months, and that, that uh, games, the Isthmus games, were, were celebrated every two years. So it's very likely that Paul himself witnessed uh, these games going on. And so he, he writes to these followers of Christ with this kind of, of metaphor. Sports metaphors are something new to us here at Horizon, right? 
Yeah, we, we use those quite a bit. But this, Paul uses this sports metaphor to say, keep running. Your spiritual life is, is a race. This life of following Jesus is a race. It starts when we choose to follow Christ, and it ends at death or at his second coming, whichever comes first, right? If you are a follower of Christ, it all started at the cross, the race begins at the foot of the cross. And perhaps you're here today and you're not a follower of Christ. Bear with me here. You'll get a chance to join the race today. But understand, as followers of Christ, all of us, all of us are in this race. And if you don't hear anything else today, I want you to hear this. God wants you to be in that race. And he wants you to finish well. To finish well. So the, it begs the question, what does it take to finish well? Where are we going? Well, I want to share with you these, these four things. If you want to finish well, first of all, number one, you got to be focused on the goal. As one author puts it, begin with the end in mind, right? you got to know where you're going if you're going to get there. Be focused on the goal. What is it that you want? Paul's saying, if you're going to run, run to win. What's the point? You know, that's that, kind of that competitive thing in my, somebody wants to play a game and nobody's a winner. I'm going, okay, you know, let's do this. No, 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 if you're going to run, Paul says, run to win. Know where you want to go. Now, we just pulled out for the first time in a couple of years a Christmas tree that Gwen and I purchased in 1994. Yeah, we have had the same Christmas tree, one of those plastic, you know, artificial trees, for over 20 years. Now, before you go all northwest on me here, you know, under, understand that we, we bought an artificial tree because we were living in Mexico City, and, uh, and in Mexico City, 100 bucks will get you this scraggly, ugly-looking, you know, thing that that is dead in a week, right? So we decided rather than make that investment every year, we would make one investment. We'd buy ourselves a tree. We just put this tree up again. And it's like an old friend, you know. I, I smile when I look at it because it's how we got the tree that's really fun. You see, if you don't know my wife, Gwen, Gwen is a lovely, sweet, darling person, uh, kind, considerate. Underneath all of that is the heart of a ninja shopper, okay? Because uh, uh, she, she had scouted out. We were home from Mexico at Christmas time, and she announced to me Christmas evening, Jerry, tomorrow morning, we are getting up early, and we are going to buy a Christmas tree. I have scouted it out at Target. I know exactly what tree I want. There's two of them left. One of them shall be mine. She knew what she wanted. She was focused. So early the next morning, we had to be, she told me we had to be up and out of the house and there early because they were opening at 7 o'clock. So early for us was 5 to 7. Right? There's a low-lying fog. It was one of those typical northwest mornings. 
right? Kind of drizzly, a fog lane. And as I pull around the corner, I look at, and I can't hardly see the parking lot, but I'm thinking in my mind, there's nobody here. Who would, who would do this, right? And, uh, and as, but as we pull into the parking lot, the fog kind of lifts a little bit, and we, the parking lot is full. I pull up to the front, and there is a line, what looked to me like 200 people lined up waiting to get inside these doors. And I drop Glenn off, and I and go out to the far end of the parking lot, find a place to park. I walk up expecting to find Gwen at the end of the line, but where do I find her? Standing over here in front of one single door. And, there's this, and, and over here are the double doors and this line of people with 200 people staring holes through her back. You know, what does that woman think she's doing, right? Have you been there? Right? And, and so I, I walk up and I go, Gwen, what are you doing? She says, hey, this door is unlocked. I've seen employees go through this door. So I'm going to stand here at this door. Nobody says I have to stand over in that line. Right? There's this door and it's open. So when they come and unlock those doors, I'm going through this door. Two minutes later, the manager comes. He's unlocking the outer doors. And, and as soon as his key went in the lock, boom, Gwen and I are through that other door. <laughs> and we're walking. Now, the trees and the clearance stuff is in the very far corner of the store, right? So it's a long walk back there. And so we're walking. And we're walking. And suddenly, appearing to my left, are two other women, stride for stride, step for step, walking with us. Somebody speeds up. We walk faster. I walk faster. Somebody else speeds up. I don't know who, but that competitive spirit is rising up in me right now. And, and I'm embarrassed to say it, folks. I'm sorry to say it. But at some point, somewhere along the line, boom, we are off to the races. <laughs> Full stride, running through target. You know, it was one of that rocky slow motion thing. Go. And, and, and at one point, it, in my mind, I kid you not, I thought I could throw a body block, take them both out. Run, Gwen! Keep running. And uh, she pounces on her tree. She gains her prize. She claims it. It is ours. The other tree never sold all day long. We went back later. It was there. Right? Like, okay, but you know, we were focused. We were focused. We knew what we wanted. That's the question. In our spiritual journey, in our, in our spiritual run, if you will, in this race, are you focused? Do you know what you want? Do you know what the prize is? Paul says they run for a prize that is, that is temporal. It doesn't last. We're running for a prize, a reward that lasts forever. Are you focused on that? What's worthy of your, the next 365 days of your life? What goals do you care enough about that's worthy of the next five, ten years? Are you focused? Do you have that goal? Jesus says there is a reward. There is a prize. And, and I want to share with you this morning that that prize, that reward is not just heaven. Heaven is not our reward. You know what? Eternal life is the gift. 
It's not our reward. It is the gift that God gives us. Our reward has to be something else. It's so much more than that. There is a prize to be had. You and I can win it. What does that look like? What does that reward consist of? Well, I think we get a clue when we look at Matthew chapter 25, and Jesus is telling the parable of the, the faithful stewards and the, and the stewards that have been given, given five talents, two talents, and one talent. And, and we get a clue as to what this reward looks like. Scripture is full of references to rewards and crowns and, and, uh, and our, uh, our, our reward that we're going to receive because of our faithfulness, because of how we run the race. There's a reward. In Matthew chapter 25, he says this to the first two faithful disciples, that, and his master replied, what is, it, what is the reward? Here's a, here's a look at it. Well done, good and faithful servant. Recognition. There's a recognition. There's a reward of recognition. Good job. Good job. Well done, good and faithful servant. But he goes on, it doesn't stop there. I will put you in charge of many things. You've been faithful in a few things, I will put you in charge of many things. There's, along with recognition, also there's responsibility and authority. Increased levels. You know, heaven isn't going to be just hanging out. It, in the new heaven and new earth, it's, it's apparent that there's going to be responsibility, there's going to be authority given to the children of God, and we're going we're to walk that out. Jesus gives us a glimpse of that here, but then even better than recognition and responsibility, we also have relationship. He says, enter into the joy of the happiness of your master. Jesus is saying there, there's a deeper relationship. There's, the reward is, is that seeing him face to face, being and enjoying him forever. That's our reward. Stay focused. Stay focused, folks, on, on the prize, on the reward, and keep running. We also recognize that if we're going to finish well, we have to make the disciplines matter. Make the disciplines matter. It, it matters how we run. It matters what we're up to. He says, everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. Ouch, right? They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Strict training. Something that you, you, you actually have to work at, right? And it's not an event. It's a process. Strict training isn't a one-time, one-off deal. It is that continual process going on. But it's great when strict training becomes a lot easier when you have a clear goal. Now understand, this is not about if you get into heaven or not. Trusting Jesus puts you in the race and, and uh, eternal life is our gift. It's not a question of whether an action is open to us is allowed or not allowed, but whether it will increase my spiritual strength, increase or lessen my spiritual strength. That's the question we need to be asking ourselves, right, when it comes to the disciplines. And whether I give something up or whether I take something on, right? 
And the, Hebrew, the writer of Hebrews says, no discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. So we want to practice the important stuff. You know, those things that matter. Really get focused, rather than get focused on the things that don't matter and what has to go away. Yeah, there's that side too, but practice really the important stuff. Let's get better at the fundamentals. And when we're setting goals in that, in that, uh, in doing those fundamentals, when we're practicing the important stuff, sometimes we, we set goals that are like sky high and really unrealistic. You know what I mean? It's like that person that says, I'm going to the gym every day this year. Right? Really? So by Thursday, they've missed a day, right? Four days in. I'm going to the gym every day but yesterday. Right? And pretty soon it all just kind of falls off. So I, I suggest to you, when you're setting goals, to consider the, the idea of what I read from one author of crawl, walk, run. Setting goals with that idea of crawl, walk, run. You know, because so oftentimes we want to run in an area of our lives where we haven't even learned to crawl yet. Be realistic. If, if there's like something you could do for your spiritual life, Bible reading, instead of saying, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read the Bible every day this year, well, that's great. But if you haven't read it all last year, I'm just being honest, right? So set a goal. I'm going to read twice a week. Maybe that's something I can do, right? And, and, and that, in that crawling, you're actually beginning to do something uh, more than what you were doing before, but something that you can attain to. Then you, then you six months in, maybe you stretch it out, or three months in, you stretch it out until you're running. Are you with me? So what do some of those disciplines look like? Bible reading and prayer. Get a life journal. You know, have a plan. We, we have these here at Horizon. They're, they're simple, simple soap outline. What it, it gives an explanation of how to do kind of a devotional time. Uh, it's all self-explanatory. There's reading plans in here that are five minutes or 15 minutes or a half an hour of, of scripture reading. If you have a plan, there's more likely that you're willing, you'll stick to it, right? When you're focused on it. So get a plan. And, uh, and focus on, on that Bible reading and prayer. It's a basic. Jesus said, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from God. So get, in that, get on that training table. Attend church regularly. You know, what's regularly for you? You know, well, if, it, if you've been here, you know, kind of coming once a month, every once in a while, step that up. Maybe, maybe twice a month. If you if, if you've been here for, and you, you know, you're here two or three times a month, awesome. What, what does God want you to do for your next step in, in, in focusing on the disciplines? Because the disciplines matter. The important stuff matters. And of course, you have to know, I, I talk about life group, right? Uh, as a life group pastor, uh, if you're not involved in a life group, maybe, maybe this is time for you to consider that as a next step. Because, you know, it, I'm convinced that we cannot grow spiritually unless we're connected relationally. 
It's that iron sharpening iron. It's that involvement with another person in life and doing life together, as we say around here. That's important. Life really is better together. And so maybe it's time, maybe it's time that you get out of a row and into a circle, right? Join a life group. And then finally, one of the, one of the other disciplines that, that's critical here to growth is, is our serving. Serve. Find a place to serve. We're so grateful here at Horizon that we have hun- literally hundreds of people serving, but there's always room for more people to get involved. From the parking lot to the, to the seat, there are, there are opportunities. And by the way, would you just thank somebody when you leave today? Maybe one of the greeters at the door or, or the people are doing the cleanup at Hebrews or coffee service or you know, any one of our people that are serving, would you just thank them? Because it is in, it is in that service that we exercise our spiritual muscles. We exercise our gifts. Find a place to serve. There's, there's community care. There's the hospitality. There's youth or children. There is a place for you to serve. And like this team that stood before you this morning going to Cambodia, all people willing just to give, give up of their time, their lives, their resources to serve other people. When we make other people the issue rather than ourselves, it changes us. It makes us stronger. It helps us run that race at a, at a faster pace, all right? So serve, find a, find a place to serve. It, John, 1 John 3, 8, 18, Dear children, let us not love with words or tongue, but with actions and in truth. So if we're going to finish well, if we're going to run well, we're also going to need to nurture a sense of determination. A sense of determination. Paul says it like this, I I do not run like a man running aimlessly. I do not fight like a man beating the air. The idea of shadow boxing. If all you ever did was shadow box, you'd win every match, I suppose. But... uh, not much of a competitor. No, I beat my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified from the prize. I got to witness a, an act of determination in 2007. Gwen and I were, were living in downtown LA, serving as, uh, with international student ministries uh, and outreach to, to the three quarters of a million international students and scholars that come from around the world. We are, we are uh, living just five blocks from USC, fight on Trojans. Uh, and, uh, sorry, and no, I'm not, not really. Uh, and, uh, and, and interacting with them. And it just so happened that we were living two blocks from the route of the Los Angeles Marathon, right? And, uh, and so I had never witnessed a marathon before. So I, we found out when the race was, and Gwen and I decided we would, we would walk the two blocks over, and uh, we plopped ourselves down on the, on the curb, and, and the crowds are filling up. You know, they have over one million people watch that race. Yeah, cheering them on. It's pretty cool. And, uh, and 24,000 people, over 24,000, ran in that race that year. Uh, we, we got there in time. We were about around mile 11 of 26.2 miles. So we're not quite halfway, but we see, we see in the distance the lead runners, and they're coming, and they're just one, two, three, 
and they are smoking. I mean, they go by us. That's, that was faster than my sprint, right? They're, they're just moving that fast. And, uh, and then a couple minutes come by, and, and there's other people kind of straining. And 20 minutes, 30 minutes later, as we're, as we're watching, here comes now the, the horde, you know, this group kind of moving through. And it was fun. It was fun to watch because there were kids there that were like seven, eight, nine years old, just run arms and legs everywhere, right? Running uh, kids that were doing this race. There's one guy I asked, because I just had to know, I, I shout out, how old are you? And, uh, and he was 80 years old, this guy running. And what was amazing is people would run with their flags of their countries. It, it just seemed every tribe and tongue and nation. I mean, it was, it was amazing, this pageantry of human life. And it just reminded me so much of what the kingdom of God is really about. Everybody running together, but each one running on their own, right? What was cool, even, even the, the wheelchair guys coming, rolling through, or the paraplegic people, every, every stripe of society and life that you can imagine was represented in that race. They were running. And right in the middle of it, this guy goes down. I mean, right in front of me, this guy goes, falls right to the pavement, screaming, grabbing his legs because both of his legs knotted up in, in, uh, in cramps, and he goes down hard. And they come over, and they immediately, there's like five people on this guy, and they drag him to the side of the, of the, of the road, and they're massaging his legs, and they're giving him pills. They literally minister to him right there on the spot. Five minutes, ten minutes go by. He, they, he's been drinking now. He's been given some potassium pills. He's eating some banana. Doing everything he can do to get better. And within 15 minutes, he's up and he's out of sight. He keeps running. Can I tell you, I don't know what you've been through this past year in 2014. Some of us in this room know what I'm talking about when you, I talk, describe somebody who goes down hard. It happens. It happens to us. But that's why we're the people of God together here at Horizon is that part of our mission is to help one another get up. Our mission to help encouraging people to follow Jesus with their whole heart we want you to run the race and we want you to run it well. We want you to keep running. And if we'll join together, folks, if we'll, rather than throw stones, we'll reach out a hand and pull people up when, they, when they're struggling. We can see us all get to the finish line. But it takes a sense of determination. Determination declares... I may be one decision away from a breakthrough. I want you to think of that. One good decision might just be enough to turn the corner to see, see breakthrough in my life or in the life of my friends around me. That's what determination says. Paul says it this way, brothers, I do not consider myself yet to having taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, 
I press on toward the goal to the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Paul says, I'm straining with everything I've got to keep moving. I'm not going to quit. Keep moving. But there's also another attitude important here. Along with that determination comes an attitude of humility. When Paul includes, so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. Really, Paul? I mean, you're the apostle, right? You're the, you're the chief guy. You're, you're responsible for the, a large majority of the New Testament. Paul, you, you could be disqualified. You could fail. And I, when I first read that, I, it's like, that can't be real. But Paul's telling us that because he's embracing his own humanity. In humility, he's, he's declaring, you know what? I could be just one bad decision away from a lot of heartache and a lot of pain. Folks, it matters what we decide. It matters what we choose in our spiritual life. And the impact it has on ourselves and us and those around us matters. Keep running. Run with determination this life that Christ has laid out before you. Vince Lombardi says this, the difference between a successful person and others is not a lack of strength, not a lack of knowledge, but rather a lack of will. Keep running. And finally, the, if we're going to finish well, we have to find your inspiration. Find your inspiration. What are you going to focus on? What, who inspires you to keep going? What is it, what is it that, will, that will get you up every day and keep you moving forward for Christ? Hebrews writes it this way in chapter 12. Therefore, since we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders us and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. The Holy Spirit is your trainer and your everyday strength. Jesus becomes our example, our inspiration. More than any other mentor that you can have, make Christ the focus of your life. Put, make him your inspiration every day. Jesus will give you the strength. He'll, he can't run the race for you, but he will run it with you if you'll keep moving. But also, I encourage you to find, find mentors around you, flesh and blood, people, individuals that, uh, that have been over the road. They know the path. They can spend time with you and, and encourage you that, and speak the truth to you. You know, you can find a mentor right here at, horizon maybe the person sitting close to you even now but you can also find mentors through through authors 
through writers, people that inspire you. From the, and the great thing about authors is you, you can find mentors from the past, right? One such mentor and inspiration in the running world is a woman by the name of Will, William, Wilma Rudolph. Wilma Rudolph was born June 23rd, 1940, in a family of, uh, at the time, she was the 20th child born to that family, 22 siblings total. Yeah, mother was a maid, her father was a railroad porter. And at the age of four, Wilma Rudolph contracted polio. It's a disease that crippling, shriveling up muscle and leg. And, uh, and the doctors told her, told Wilma's mother that she, Wilma would never walk again. Well, mom wasn't taking none of that. And, uh, and unfortunately, because of racism, Wilma's mom had to take her two hours by bus ride every week to, to access medical facilities. But mom was determined to do it every week. And, but Wilma wasn't getting better, so the doctors told her, listen, if, if Wilma has even a chance, you're going to have to give her physical therapy every day. And so mom taught w Wilma's siblings, you know, 21 of them, so there's plenty of hands to go around. They gave, they gave them physical therapy four times a day, massaging her legs. And by age eight, Wilma was walking. Not without braces and special equipment. That she was walking, she was on her feet. By age 12, mom came home to find Wilma playing basketball with all of her, with all of her braces off and, and, and bare feet playing basketball in the yard with her, with her brothers and sisters. And in high school, Wilma joined track, of all things. And at the age of 19, Wilma Rudolph became the fastest recorded woman in the world, running a record pace pre-Olympics. In 1960, she won three gold medals. From four-year-old polio victim to an Olympic gold medal winner. And this is what Wilma states in her book. She said, the doctors told me I would never walk again. My mother said I would. I believe my mom. I don't know what you're going through, what challenges you faced in your life. Maybe you have voices in your head, people filling or, or, or just lies being told to you that you can't that you can't, you can't make it, you can't follow Christ, you can't truly become the father you hope to be, you truly can't become that person that makes a difference. No, 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 you can't, you can't, you can't. But Jesus this morning tells you, you can. Who are you going to believe? Who are you going to believe? This morning, keep running. Be inspired. Get out of the rat race and get into God's race.
And let us be able to declare at the end of our race together the words that Paul wrote to Timothy when he declared, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Paul, right to the end, says, I will run. How about you? What will 2015 look like for you? Will you finish well? Will you give it all you have? In 2007, I mentioned that Gwen and I went and watched the LA Marathon. I was so inspired by that moment that I went home that day and wrote in my journal, 365 days from today, I'm going to run in this race. I lost a little weight. I trained. And 365 days later, I was standing at the starting line. My daughter, Bethany, had flown down from here from Oregon to meet me. She said, Dad, we'll run together. Yeah, we didn't run together. We started at the line. <laughs> she got the, the finish a lot sooner than I did. But you know what? That's the deal. Is run at the best pace you can. Run at your pace, but finish well. That's what this spiritual life is like. And at five hours and 18 minutes, I crossed the finish line. I got to tell you, from mile 20 to the end of the race at 26.2 miles, every step felt like an ice pick going into my knee. It was everything I could do to keep going. I would walk and I'd run, I'd walk and I'd run, but I was determined I was going to finish. And I crossed that line with hands raised, and I did it all for a T-shirt. <laughs> really? Yeah. But there comes a day, folks, for us, if you're following Jesus, there is a finish line to be crossed. And I want to see you all run well. And I want to see you all finish. And not only you, but all of those who love his appearing, as Paul says. Let's finish well together. Are you ready to finish with hands raised? That could be, for some of us, that may look like 2015. Other of us could be years and years away. But I declare to you this morning, if you will, you can keep running.